Hey, Brian. It's Carlos. Carlos, how are you? Good, man. We finally got some intro royalty-free music. What do you think? Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, besides the new music, we got a new topic. Um, today, we want to share with people how to control your dog under walk, a walking circumstance, but more importantly, um, what happens when you're meeting, <clears throat> excuse me, a new dog on a leash. And as part of our intro, I'm Brian Kirkner. Also with me is Carlos Marino. We're Good Dog Workshop, and we're teach we're here to teach you the proper way to work with your dog. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, part of that is to show you how not to teach your dog. <laughs> so we have a um, a clip. I know you know uh, who I'm talking about, Brian. <clears throat> this yeah. um, it's the lady Victoria Steelwell, and she has a show. It's called It's Me or the Dog. I don't think it's running anymore. I don't think so. But lucky for us, YouTube has archived, well, not YouTube, but somebody on YouTube has archived a bunch of the, um, the videos. And I thought it was interesting to point out that there's a lot of things here in this video that are problematic and I think we can correct and shed some light and clarity on. So even though it's a video, you can just hear if I play it here, sure, you can just hear the chaos that's going on in the background. Let me set this up for you, Brian. You watched it, right? Yeah, and to let our, our listeners know, it's called How to Keep Your Dog Under Control During Walks. And it's under, it's Mirror the Dog by Victoria Stowell. So you can watch a, watch along with us. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of audio, uh, coming from, uh, coming from Victoria and the, um, the voiceover guy. You can hear the dog and, and, you know, his whining and, and she calls it braying. That's a horse term and carrying on throughout the video. And we'll describe what, uh, what's happening. But, uh, please check out this video because it is, it is really helpful to see this and see all the things that uh, that you shouldn't be doing when you're trying to introduce your dog to another dog on a walk. And this is a lady, Victoria, this is a lady that is adamant about pretty much being hands-off yep. and pretty much using every and any tool to avoid being physical with your dog and applying any kind of correction. She just, as you'll, see, you'll hear here shortly, she walks away, pulls, lets the dog pull, and then she Tries to remove the dog, but you'll see, you'll hear here that it doesn't doesn't work. But the other most important thing I think viewers need to hear from me, uh, kind of illustrating what they're going to see if they haven't seen this already, is this is a big dog. Okay, this is a uh, looks like a Great Dane. Yeah, they said ten stone, so over 140 pounds. Okay, there you go. so this is a big dog. The owners claim that they can't walk their dog. He he gets too excited, and they haven't met any other dog yet. So if, here's Victoria to save the day. Let me just cue it up and play it right now so you can hear what I'm talking about. Here. She wants Dylan to meet new dogs without him or his owners losing control. But with each dog weighing over 10 stone, one of their basic problems is simply not having the strength to hold them back. Victoria believes a head collar will make a big difference. Now I've got control of his head. He can't pull me. I mean... He just hates it. Look at him. Yeah, well, you have to give the dog time to become accustomed to it. What? To become accustomed to hating it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Sorry, I'm, I, I'll keep playing. I just had to make that quick comment. Once Dylan's used to the new head collar, it's time to meet a dog. But Victoria wants Jilly to keep her distance. 
We're not training with Jilly because she gets more stressed. And I don't want her stress being transferred to the dog. Jilly is the wife of the, the dog owner. Okay, so Jilly, right, that's important. Jilly is uh, the lady that just said to us, look, he hates it. Uh, did, uh, talking about referring to the, what do you the call? Color. What do you it, call the, this? The, the, the halty or the gentle leader. I know there's a there's a slight difference between the two, but either way, it's a strap that goes across the the muzzle of the the top of the muzzle of the dog. And some people uh, find it effective. I find it completely unnatural. There's nothing in nature that ever does that to a dog. So why introduce a tool that's so so foreign to the dog? But what strikes me as mo most poignant about this segment here in the video is when Victoria's talking about the dog getting used to the the head collar, the owner's wife is looking at Victoria like she doesn't trust her and she doesn't believe her. And that's one of the things that, that Carlos and I focus on with our clients is not only reading the dogs, but reading the, the clients and their body language. And if they're not comfortable with something, if they don't trust us, then we need to stop or back up and fix that so that we have a good relationship, a good rapport with our clients going forward so that they do trust us in working with their dogs. But I wanted to, I wanted to stop and, and mention that because this is, this is something that, uh, that Victoria doesn't, uh, doesn't get into in this video at all. That's a good point. If the customer is uncertain about you, then none, none of the information you give them is really going to stick, right? Because, because they're concerned, they're unsure, and part of our job is to uh, convey confidence, but also to put the owner at ease. Right. You know, there has to be a level of trust, but trust is hard to do on a short-term basis. So we have to demonstrate what we know and what we know we can do effectively in a pretty short, short order. But uh, what's happening here is there's a lot of instability, a lot of uncertainty, and this happens when a trainer does not do these hard cases, you know, doesn't do these challenging cases and tries to apply the softer, more passive techniques that she's accustomed to. And you can see a lot of struggle and a lot of basically uh, useless um, tactics, in my opinion. Um, you have, of course, the beauty of post editing. So the music and the voiceover guy kind of lends to this idea that it's working, but you can see here for yourself and here that's not. So uh, let me continue on here and kind of hear what she's what she's talking about and what noises are coming out of this animal's mouth as he attempts to, to meet another dog. Because he hasn't really met another dog and that's all my own fault. So this is it. Let's hope it's his first friend. He just hates it. As soon as Dylan spots the other dog, he begins to bray and whine with excitement. It's really important. And that's from about 80 feet away. Yeah, it's the other dog is pretty far down. So, oh, and then she goes on to, to say, well, we want to make sure that safety is a priority. Yada, yada. We put the muzzle on the dog, which is fair. You don't want any unnecessary uh, risks being, being, being taken. But... I can see here that she's already stopped multiple times. She's she's uncertain that this is going to work the quote-unquote easy way. So here she is introducing more tools. And as you'll see shortly here, she really doesn't have a solution for meeting another dog while this big, strong dog is excited. And what else did you take notice, uh, Brian? I know you took some notes about this when you saw this. 
Oh, thanks. There's a couple of things. One, first of all, to, to any any viewers out there, does Victoria look like she's in control of that dog? She says, now I, now I have the, the head collar on, so I'm in control of the dog. And then you watch the next two minutes of the video, and the dog is pulling her this way, the dog is pulling her that way. You know, she, whether she weighs close to what this dog weighs or not, she's clearly not in control of that dog. And then the other thing, observationally is does she look confident and to me she doesn't look at all confident she strikes me as someone who's you know kind of pushed to her limits here on working with a dog who may or may uh may not outweigh her and be able to pull her along and so to me again going back to a, a previous podcast i look at someone like this and i would say you know what you're not the person to help me train my dog. I'm going to find someone who looks more confident and looks like they can they can handle this dog. And then, like Carlos said, she'll try the head collar, and then she goes to a muzzle, and she uses, you know, so many different techniques because she's not able to get through to the dog and resolving this, this issue as she wants because, frankly, I'm not convinced that she knows what she's doing um, with this with this level of, of dog behavior. And this isn't even bad. This is, you know, it's not an aggressive dog. It's an excited dog. And the last thing I want to say along those lines is she's not reading the dog. She didn't need the muzzle on the dog. The dog was not going to bite another the yeah. other dog. He was yeah. excited. He's clearly young. The way yep. the way he's moving, the sounds he's making. This is all excitement. This isn't aggression at all. And that's what bothers me the most about this is she is either unwilling or unable to read the dog and say, "Oh, this is who the dog is. This is how the dog is likely to to respond." So I need to use these methods, but not these methods. She's just, you know, trying one. It doesn't work. Trying another. It doesn't work. Trying another one. It doesn't work. And that's and that's really sad that uh, that she can't just start with, you know, knowing the dog already, being able to predict its behavior, and then successfully getting through to it within a couple of minutes rather than. They talk later on in the video that after 20 minutes, they have a slight breakthrough and they can walk yeah. near the other dog. Well, I'll play that part here so you can hear it yourself. Okay, great. What I'm going to do is that each time he really brays hard, yeah. I will either turn around and walk in the other direction or I'll stop. Dog is passing by right now. So. When Dylan continues to lunge at the unfamiliar dog, Victoria decides to change tactics. Now. So she she borrows something from what I've seen Caesar do, and she says, "Well, now we'll walk with the dog." So she changes her tactic again, but never applies her body in any way that uh, conveys strength or confidence. She never tries to block the dog. I call it blocking, Brian. You know what I mean, like. Yeah. Keep, keep yourself in between. Doesn't apply any correction. Um, it's just yank on the leash, pull the dog away by its head because it's got this contraption, this horse lead contraption on its muzzle. So it's yanking on the dog's muzzle, pulling him away, and now we're going to try something different. We're going to walk with the dog because it's less confrontational. Fine. No problem. But towards the end here, He's still lunging and pulling, so she goes back and forth, back and forth. So they describe after 20 minutes of hard work, there's a breakthrough. And it's really just exhaustion, <laughs> right, Brent? The dog's just exhausted, and it's like, all right, fine, I'm going to walk. 
and he is walking with the other dog. So that, in their terms, oh, I'm sorry, and, and that, in, in, in her mind, is success. What do you think? Yeah, it, apparently that uh, that is success to her, and and you know we all have our own um, strengths and weaknesses, so maybe that is a um, is a genuine success for her. But this is something that we do all the time, and generally we we get a, a dog meeting our dogs, you know, one, two, three dogs, however many we have with us, in two, three. You know, maybe five minutes, maybe ten minutes if it's a, if it's a particularly aggressive dog, something like that. But, uh, you know, as Carlos has mentioned several times before in podcasts, we're about being effective and efficient in working with dogs. And so we want to get a dog re- uh, behavior resolution as quickly as possible and not just like Carlos said, the dog was tired at this point and not just wearing him out. Now, that is a method that can be effective for some dogs, but it didn't, it wasn't necessary for this dog to just take the time to wear him out. So he gets tired of pulling her around and, and having his head pulled around. Um, but, but, you know, can I also ahead. say one thing too, before I forget, it's, uh, this is a setup, right? The other dog that's being used to, to walk back and forth to trigger this dog is someone's dog. That's probably part of the show part of the producer's um, uh, pack, part of her pack. How many people have the luxury of walking their dogs and trying this 20, 30-minute technique of yanking your dog back and forth with a stranger's dog that's going to end up walking by and, and keep going, right? They're going to keep going. You missed your window, I guess, of trying this technique. You, gonna, you know what I'm saying? So right. how many people are going to say, can I borrow your dog? So I can try to get my dog to be friendly with your dog. Can you walk back and forth for the next 20 minutes for me while my, while I attempt to get my dog under control and pull them back and forth? It's not, it's not, a, and that's not a practical solution. Uh, and, and no, real, it's not, it's not for, not for most people in the, in the real world. So what, so that brings, so that begs the question, what would we do and what do we recommend when meeting on a leash, which is an entirely different ball game than someone in a dog park? Or you you know someone's dog in the backyard meeting another dog. It's open space. This is leash walking and attempting to control your dog while leash walking, which is a lot more challenging. What do we do? What do we recommend as well, opposed two, to what Victoria's doing here? Two things. Two things that I always recommend to, to clients. Number one is have control of the dog before you're outside in you know an environment where there's a lot of. of stimuli, lots of different stimuluses out there in mm-hmm. the world, the smells, the scents, the sights, the sounds, everything that's going on with the dog. If you don't have control of your dog in your house, you you know, you're definitely going to have a hard time when you go outside to work with your dog. So you probably need to go back home or at least in your own neighborhood and work on your relationship with your dog so that he's starting off calm or at least calmer and not so excited. But the second thing that'll help clients with all the time is what I call a tandem walk, which is kind of what she does in the middle here is she takes this excited dog, Dylan, this Great Dane, and is, well, she's a, she's a great distance away, about 40 feet away, but you follow a dog, and so you're just keeping a distance between the dogs while controlling each dog, reminding them that they need to be calm before they're allowed to, to um, uh, approach, the, uh, approach the other dog. And so in using this tandem technique, you are using, using time as a tool to help get the dogs um, 
worn out a little bit and accustomed to having another dog behind them or in front of them, but you also are through energy, body language, sound and touch, leash corrections, voice corrections, whatever, telling the dog, no, I don't want that behavior. I need you to calm down or I need you to be calmer. And so you can control the the, the dog that you're handling and you have the other person control the, the dog that they're handling. And this also works for people who are just out walking their dogs. If their dog gets excited over another dog that uh, um, is across the street, then they can loop around behind that dog and just follow that person and that dog at a distance and wait for their dog to calm down and correct it when it is excited. So it, it actually is a is a practical technique for most people to use, but you have to you have to have some practice in being able to control your yeah. dog on leash, which but, means you have to be able to control your dog before you get him out of the house. Yeah, don't put the cart before the horse. Is that the right, right. thing? So yeah, that's correct. So this is kind of like a down the road, more advanced. Um, uh, I guess. Um, Goal, right? So we're not saying don't meet other people's, people's dogs on a walk. We're just saying that it does require some homework first, right? Right. And, and you can listen to the other podcasts and you can even watch some of our videos on gooddogworkshop.com. Uh, we want to have a structured walk in place first, which means what? Which means you have to have a routine. So you have to be consistent and dedicated to getting your dog out and walking them so that they get, understand, okay, I have a routine. I have something to look forward to. I have a physical outlet. I can sniff. I can smell. I know where to be on the walk, the structured walk that is. And then when they get good at that and you feel confident and they're under control, then you will uh, uh, then make a decision to allow them to meet another person's dog. Um, I'll, uh, um, assuming the other person wants you to meet their dog. Of course, you have to have that discussion. But it is something that, but like Brian says, you have to put away until you have control first because otherwise what are we doing like on this video we're basically we're jumping in into yeah. advanced techniques before you even mastered basic technique well and the, and the dog is just overwhelmed and if it's a big dog like this dog you have a big challenge ahead of you because you haven't worked on the other things correction boundary setting uh consistency all those things that come into play uh, uh before you I could even attempt to, to meet another dog. And the other big thing I want to talk about, Brian, too, is is tension. There's there's often a lot of tension when people have Good their point. dog their dogs on a on a leash, and that's something else we need to talk about that I don't hear her saying anything about in this video. Uh, right. Again, I don't think that Victoria is reading people in very much in this. Um, in this video, now she does mention the the wife Jilly. She says Jilly's too tense to work with. Judging by what I've seen in Victoria's videos and interviews, uh, and what I see in this video, Victoria doesn't feel safe or or feels tension from from the the wife. Not that the dog feels tension, but somehow it's it's about Victoria. I think in in this circumstance. So I think that's. That's a an interesting assessment on on her part is that that she's reading the person from a very uh, self centered point of view and not from the dog's point of view. Um, but yeah, she's she's definitely putting out uh, her own stress, her own tension because she looks like a pretty tense person to me. She doesn't look re relaxed at all, and so she's putting out this nervous, anxious energy. The dog is excited. The the wife clearly um, you know shows that she's not comfortable with this with this tool. Possibly <laughs> doesn't even trust yeah. trust Julie. And the shots they've shown of the husband, he looks 
like he really doesn't understand uh, or, or, you know, um, or really trust what's going on either. So, again, seems to me that Victoria should have taken a lot of time, as much time as she needed to back up and say, okay, this is what I'm planning on doing, gain the trust of the, the dog owners, you know, develop some rapport with them, and then start doing some of these techniques. Because if she's working with the dog and trying to keep the dog calm and not excited, but she's got one or two people around her that are tense, and she's tense herself, she's setting herself up for for failure here, or at the very least, you know, having to take so much time to get a simple exercise done. Yeah, absolutely. So it is important um, for your dog to meet other dogs. But Absolutely. This, but but this is not the way to do it. Um, in in my opinion, I think Brian, you agree. It's just not yeah. the way to do it. If you have a dog that's large, for sure, anything eighty, ninety, hundred pounds. Once they dig in, it's man, it's like double the 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 force, right? I mean, I'm not a you know physician or whatever, but you know, well, because I mean. because they're they're lower to the ground. Yeah, yeah. It, it it feels like they can pull a lot a lot more. And they me. I'm I'm six three. 200 pounds and I would have problems with a great Dane deciding I'm going to pull and drive towards this other dog that I see. I would have issues with that. So what would I do? And I'm a big guy and it goes back to what we were talking about. You have to establish this, this rapport with your bond with this rapport and bond with your dog where you're comfortable and confident with putting your hands on comfortable and confident with uh, addressing Bad behavior, right on the spot, getting your timing down, using your body. On the walks, I use my whole body. I'll step in if I need to. I'll use my legs to block. I'll use my free hand uh, to make corrections. And, and Brian's really good at this. He'll make really sharp, sharp sounds right? to warn the dog. I don't like that behavior. You're getting too far ahead. Or I don't like the body language that you're, you're portraying, you're exhibiting, right? Because a lot of these dogs, they'll give you uh, clues before they go 100% full bore, right, Brian? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And she's not addressing any of these things. Caesar does a good job of addressing, hey, watch this subtle changes in your right. dog's body language. And that's when you know to step in because when they get to level 10, man, now you're dealing with the full force and you've missed all the cues and hints that this dog was getting ready to be super excited, aggressive or whatever, really physical. But and, all, and, all that stuff is gone here. And that, that's, a, that's a really good point that she doesn't address here at all. And, and Caesar does a good job, and we do this daily in, in our routines with our dogs, is she doesn't even stop the dog when he first starts to get excited and bring him back to a calm state. She just lets him keep getting more and more excited and continues to uh, encourage that behavior by – uh, letting him close the gap by letting him get closer to the dog. So, but she's basically telling him, "I want you to do this because as you get excited and as you make these these crazy sounds, I'm going to keep letting you get closer to this dog." So she's reinforcing the behavior that she doesn't want, but she doesn't stop to to address it. She doesn't talk to the the clients about it. The voiceover guy isn't uh, isn't talking about any of this any of this stuff at all either. Yeah. Um, and that that's a shame because, like Carlos said, these dogs are giving away exactly what they're thinking through their sounds. Their body language, uh, you know, the breathing, my cattle dog, their ears, he, whatever. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, the, yeah, the tail, every everything. My cattle dog, when he gets excited about something, if he picks up a scent or a sight that I haven't, all I have to do is listen to his breathing change. And I'm like, okay, what are you looking at, knucklehead? And then I figure that out and then correct him, get him back to a calm state, and then we move forward. But she does none of that, with, uh, at least with this dog in and this I, video. And I don't think she can, um, to be honest, because if she's treat-based only – and uh, clicker and uh, removing the dog from the environment. If that's her method and technique or techniques, how can you get a dog that size calm with just positive praise, treats, reader? How can you? I don't see like I don't see any scenario where she could. And so all I all I see when I watch this video is they just want to wrap it up. <laughs> They just want to get to the the point where the dog is semi um, agreeable, and then play the nice music, and say finally, for the first right. time in his life, <laughs> make it all dramatic. Right. And, and really, have we achieved anything? I don't, I don't think anybody can learn anything from this other than don't get a big dog, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, and, and she'll, and she'll call that a win, and good for her, and I checked her net worth, and she's a gazillionaire, so terrific, but it's unfortunate that yeah. she's giving so many people bad information, and, and Carlos is exactly right. Uh, this dog is, has no problem being physical with her, has no problem pulling her. So why does she think that she could get through to him if she's not willing to be physical with him and speak his language? And again, we're not talking about hitting the dogs, abusing the dogs in any way. Yeah. Just being physical with them in a way that they understand. The dog yeah. jumps up on you, then he's fine with putting his paws on you, so you need to be be fine to, to give him a physical correction as well. But she didn't even try a verbal correction. So she's not even going a fraction of the way that she needs to to get the results from these dogs. There's no correction, yeah. Yeah, because she's either unwilling or unable or not knowledgeable enough yeah. to be able to speak the dog's language and say, okay, now we're going to do this. Hey, you need to knock it off. Whatever sharp sounds or, or touches she yeah. needs to do could get this solved in a heartbeat coupled with better energy from her because she looks like a really really uptight person on, yeah. on all, all the sh all the shows of her that i've watched well so I, it's I, tough I, tough for us last thing tough for a dog to respond to I, someone yeah. who is tense uptight anxious well and, and also we're the big variable here is the leash this is a she's used there's a fixed leash on this big dog and it's constantly you know they're constantly playing tug of war with each other right that's why we believe in the prong collar and a fixed leash. In this case, there's no prong collar. It's just fixed leash and some device wrapped around the dog's nose. And she's just constantly back and forth, back and forth. And there's so much tension there. I don't think she touches a dog one time with her, with her body or her hands. No. So what's, so. what's the message being sent to the dog? Well, she, she's telling you know. the dog through her own, her own energy, her own tension and the tension on the leash yep. that she's worried about something. She's telling the dog, I'm anxious. So, so he's just going to feed off that and he's going to be anxious and excited too. And he's not going to respect that type of, that type of energy, that type of handler. And that's what he shows us is he's just going to pull. He's going to ignore her. If it gets too uncomfortable for his head, then he may comply for that. But other than that, he's just going to try and use his physicality to get what he wants. And a couple times in the videos, and it's weird that they would even show this, he pulls her across the road or he yeah. pulls her towards <laughs> the other dog. So he kind of gets his way anyway by being big and boisterous and loud and not listening to her. So she's just she's reinforcing the exact behavior she doesn't want. Correct. So to, to wrap this up, 
don't do what she's doing. <laughs> we could have wrapped it up in 30 seconds. But don't do what she's doing. And we're not saying that because we just want to criticize somebody. We really believe this is this is a big disservice to you and your dog. And any attempt you may have to try and be positive and have the right attitude and attempt something like this, which is a higher level deal than most people realize, especially when you have a big dog. So use your body. Use the methods that we've taught. Um, if you've met with us before, you know what we're talking about. If you haven't listened to the podcast, you get an idea of what we what we mean when we talk about using your body, having a structured walk, having a routine before you attempt to meet another dog on a leash, which is which is which is very tricky because a lot of times the leash causes more problems and the tension people put on the leash causes more problems than anything else. Exactly. And also check out our videos on uh, on YouTube. I don't know if they're all accessible through our uh, through our website, but just type in Good Dog Workshop on YouTube and you'll get, you know, uh, however many videos we have up there. And we're going to continue putting up more videos and, and I'll go out and film this weekend uh, this specific um, activity with the dog, this exercise with the dog to show you all exactly what we mean when we're talking about using sound and using touch to to, to regain your dog's focus on you and then to be able allow him to move forward calmly to meet another dog yeah absolutely all right man well i think that was useful appreciate your time and uh check out our podcast on itunes now right we're brian we have at least three or four that are up now as of uh yeah we've got february 2019 anyway yeah, we've got several up now finally. So thank you everyone for listening. Again, if you have any comments or questions or feedback, we've got thick skin. So if you want to, you know, throw some criticism our way, that's fine. It's not going to bother us because we want to help people. And if something, uh, uh, something bothers you, go ahead and let us know and we'll, uh, um, we'll get back to you on that. But, uh, please, uh, give us a thumbs up on iTunes so we can, um, get higher up in the list there, show up in more people's, uh, searches and, uh, and help more people. So thank you everyone for listening. This has been Brian and Carlos with Good Dog Workshop. All right. Thank you, Brian.